Bring on the weed. Welcome to a cooking competition like no other. Feeling dangerous. Each episode, three expert cannabis chefs will prepare a three-course cannabis-infused menu that will put their culinary skills to the ultimate test. I'm competitive. I love to win, and nobody travels anywhere to take an L. Oh, yeah. That gentleman's here with us today, Chef Harold Sims, and Cooked with Cannabis. He's the winner. We're going to talk to Harold in the next segment. Uh, Looking forward to that as you join us on this Wednesday, October 7th, and the Modern Eater Show continues. Here we go in studio, Studio Kitchen Colorado, back at it from a busy, busy month. Along Faith Johnson and Jay Parker, I'm Greg Hollenbach. Brian's off to California with the family. He'll be back with us uh, very, very soon. Got a busy, busy day. Uh, This just in, this just in, wear your mask in between bites. If you're a California resident, that's uh, what's coming down the... The Twitter pipe from uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. And it's interesting. You see this complete tweet, and I'm trying to find it right now, of Chef Gavin Newsom. It says, where is it, Greg? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. I had it here. Dang it, Gavin. <laughs> Dang it, Gavin. You didn't have it. Yes, I did. I didn't have the tweet. I no, I mean, I don't, don't know. know. I'm just, you know. Okay, Gavin Newsom. Basically, he says, um, take your masks and wear them in between bites. It's an interesting thing. I want to have that round-robin conversation. We'll probably end the show with that and just kick that topic around a little bit. But right now, it's in the forefront of Denver news because it was passed just this past Monday, and the Denver City Council voted to pass the cap, uh, delivery fee cap. And in studio with us today, it's a pleasure, uh, my, Molly Steinemann. And CRA manager, uh, manager of Local and Government Affairs, welcome to the studio. And good to see your face. So good to see you. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Oh, well, I don't know about that, <laughs> but here we go. Good show today and so glad that you're leading it off here. Uh, let's talk about this. Could you just set it up and, and uh, what, what, what happened this week with City Council, who initiated and where we stand right now? That'd be great. Yes, absolutely. So... Um, on Monday night, the Denver City Council unanimously approved an ordinance that would temporarily cap the fees that restaurants pay to third-party delivery companies at 15%. And the reason why this ordinance is so important is because restaurants are faced with so many unknowns going into the fall and winter months. They're at reduced capacity. Mm-hmm. Their outdoor dining programs may be closed down just due to colder, we- colder weather. Sure. And we anticipate that take-in on delivery is going to be a huge player for them um, to bring in revenue, to bring in their guests. and try to continue business as usual. But the problem is um, when restaurateurs are working with these third-party delivery companies, they're assessed a rate that is usually based off of the percentage of the bill. And so these rates right now range from 15% all the way up to 35%. And if you're a locally owned independent restaurant, you are probably closer to 35%. So by capping those fees at 15%, we're allowing restaurants to enter that market. We're allowing them to take advantage of all the tools available to them. And we're really giving them a tool to kind of help them keep their doors open to guests um, through the fall and winter months. Small margins, right? Restaurants. Very tight. Yep. Very tight margins. And, and so, okay. Um, the bill was initiated. Uh, it's, this has been on the radar for a little while, right? A little bit. Yep. So we have had members reaching out to us, kind of airing some of their grievances against third-party delivery companies for several years. And one of their biggest complaints has been that third-party delivery companies will take their menus and post it to their websites without the restaurant's consent. And they usually have no idea that this is happening until they get a dis- called from a disgruntled you know, customer. My order hasn't arrived. It's been three hours. What's happened? Sure. And the restaurateur has no idea what that person's talking about. And so that was another piece that we built into the ordinance. Um, Council member Kendra Black was the one who was carrying this through the Denver City Council. And we're very grateful to her work on this. But she definitely heard those concerns from the restaurant community. She made sure there was an element in there that would make sure that 
no um, information from a restaurant can be used without their explicit consent. Mm-hmm. And thank God, right? I mean, and, and you look at these third-party apps, the big guy, you know, Uber Eats and Postmates and, you know, the list goes on, that um, their SEO coding's better than yours. <laughs> You're going to, chances are you, you know, and, and that's terrible. You Google the name of a local small business and then all of a sudden here, here comes top of the list. Yep. Um, some of these delivery services and, and some of them don't even use it or did at one point and decided to opt out, and, but there they are. Um, exactly still buried in there. So it's, it, it's kind of just uh, giving it a fighting chance. I really, at, at first but blush, I really like that, and there's a lot of good, uh, smart people involved in this. I can't help but wonder the process, though. So how does this work? It's a city ordinance? Yes, it's a city ordinance. So this is in effect for restaurants that are located within the, the city and county of Denver. Yeah. So we here are in Denver at Studio Kitchen. Go across the street on Federal. We're in Lakewood. Yep. Lakewood, they're they're getting the fees still. Lakewood would be still paying whatever fee they're in an agreement with the third-party delivery company to pay. Sure. So how does government uh, intervene, say this gets passed through city council, which it did? At that point, where does it go from there? How, how, who's policing this? How do they make sure? I just, I'm trying to get this process in my head. So right now the city is going to be in a bit of an information sharing phase and a compliance sort of rule setting phase yeah, as well. Compliance. So even that was though, the word I was yes. looking for. <laughs> so even though this ordinance was passed on Monday night, we're not actually going to see it go into effect until Friday. And during this sort of interim period, the city is going to be putting out information to the third party delivery companies, letting them know that this has been passed, encouraging mm-hmm. their compliance. And they're also going to be issuing rules to um, inform restaurateurs of how they can submit complaints to the city if they believe that the third party delivery company that they're working with is not in compliance. And so those details are still being ironed out. We're going to be very excited to put them out to restaurateurs when we know a little bit more on Friday. But because it is a complaint-based enforcement within the ordinance, the city won't really be policing it. They're going to depend on the restaurateurs to really understand um, what fees they're being charged with a third party delivery company and give those restaurateurs the ability to then submit complaints to the city to allow the city then to investigate if the restaurateur believes that they're the third party delivery company that they're working with is not in compliance. Mm. Wow. Intricate. <laughs> um, poll on the stream today. Do you think capping third-party delivery fees is a good idea? Sound off. We'd like to hear from you. Um, it was interesting the other day, Jay, myself, and Brian were doing a round-robin conversation. I think three or four times we convinced ourselves the other way of whether we liked it or not whether it was good and, and good for us. So uh, compliance is a big thing. And, and so how, do, how does this work? Is there a letter that goes to the third-party delivery fees and say, all right, Denver, just you got to bring this to And then they rolled out on their platforms where they just adjust the numbers and there you go. That's how we're anticipating it to go. Um, I don't have exact specifics of how the city intends to really get that information out to the third-party mm-hmm. delivery companies, but I do know that they're in that information sharing stage with them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once the, the law goes into effect on Fe- or Friday, excuse me, mm-hmm. not February, um, restaurateurs can um, expect to see that cap on the fees that they pay to the third-party delivery companies immediately. Speaking of February, that's when it is revisited, That right? is when it's revisited, yep. Okay, so February 1st? February 9th. 9th. Ninth, and so on the ninth, what happens at that point? So on the ninth, the ordinance sunsets. So at that point, the council can either decide to bring the issue back up and decide if they want to extend it, or the whole thing will just end, and then restaurant will go back to the rates that they have been up until this point paying um, third-party delivery companies. And it's got it's gotten pretty expensive. Again, I was sharing some things there, but could you just re- reinstate and for our audience that may be just joining us right now, 
what what are the, what are the fees at? It kind of give us me an idea of those again. So it really varies. Um, the fees are going to be assessed to a restaurant on an individual level. Level, so it's not a consistent fee industry wide. Mm-hmm. But it, the fees that we see them now, they typically range from fifteen percent all the way up to thirty five percent. And the problem that we've seen really consistently across the board is that it's the locally owned independent restaurants that have the hardest time negotiating a good rate for themselves. So they're always the ones that are closer to the thirty five percent rate. Um, terrible. Yes, exactly. And they're the ones that have been struggling the most through this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So the reason why these ordinances are so important is that, you know, federal, state, and local public health agencies continue to advocate for takeout and delivery services as a safe method for consumers to support their local restaurants. And we want to make it so that restaurants have the easiest, um, easiest path forward, the most profitable path forward Mm. into that market. Love it. Love it. But at what cost? So that's what we're going to drill down in. I think tomorrow Jay put a request out with uh, somebody from Postmates, and I think they might show up on the show tomorrow to discuss I'm, this. I'm hoping. She hasn't emailed me back. She emailed me once, so that's <laughs> half the battle. That's you know? good. You made yeah. contact. <laughs> and she said, uh, yeah, no, I'm down to come on. And so I'm saying, are you down to come on tomorrow? So I can only imagine their offices as they get, you know, I don't know what the phone call or the smoke signal or, or the email or however they get noticed. <laughs> and they're like, damn it. They got us. It shouldn't be too much of a surprise. We did, um, through the stakeholder process with the Denver City Council, we did bring DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and Grubhub to the table. So they should be aware that this policy is going into effect. Um, And this isn't, you know, Denver isn't the test case for this kind of policy. This is going into effect across the country. California's got a lot of different local ordinances. Um, New Jersey, the entire state, passed a bill at the state level to cap the fees. So this really isn't a new concept, but we're seeing it work in other places of the country, and that's why we think it's a great solution for Denver. Okay, so is this first of all and I don't want you to speak for them they can do that but what's their re- what was their reaction to you, you know this being brought up as conversation so, you know, they came to the table and they were willing to discuss the concept with us. I think that the proposal that Councilmember Kendra Black was able to draft was something that they told her they could live with. And again, I wouldn't want to, you know, sure. I certainly want to suggest I'm speaking yeah. for their industry, but we haven't seen in other parts of the country where these local ordinances have been in, in place longer. We haven't seen them pulling out of those markets. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen consumers ordering go down. We haven't seen restaurants really impact, seen any sort of negative impact from these types of ordinances. So it does, it does appear that a temporary approach at capping the fees is a good solution right now for COVID relief. You're so good at this. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think you found a future in what you're doing there. Again, chime in so far, it's 100% yes and and capping the third-party fees. Um, Okay, as we dig in. So their business practices, do do you believe, is this one of those types of things, and you see this all the time with government intervention for price gouging, um, the beginning of COVID, you couldn't find toilet paper. People that had toilet paper, guess what? You're going to get a $10 roll, you know, or masks. I got a surplus of masks. And then they, <laughs> they go confiscate all those masks and say, you're selling them at too high a price. Yep. Is this one of those things to where we're looking at these third-party companies and saying your business practices are price gouging consumers right now? And this is our way of telling you that um, we're backing you down? You know, I'm not sure if price gouging is necessarily the most appropriate word to use for it. But think back, you know, back in March and April, mm-hmm. restaurants were completely closed for dining business. They couldn't do it. Their sure. only option was to do takeout and delivery. And so restaurateurs that maybe weren't in the takeout and delivery market, maybe they weren't working with a third party delivery company. Truly, their only choice was to kind of enter into that market. And a third party delivery provider is the best option for many restaurateurs. And so when we see a situation where there are so few choices and where restaurateurs are literally given the option between let's work with a third party delivery company, mm-hmm. maybe not at great rates, or let's 
potentially miss our rent payment, mm-hmm. they're going to work with a third-party delivery company. Yeah. And because we saw them owning so much of the market, but really being unwilling to kind of negotiate rates for smaller restaurants, that's why we felt that it's an appropriate step for local governments to really throw a lifeline out to their restaurants and help them through this time. Ah, interesting. All right. Well, I mean, great segue because um, now we're getting into the point of, um, uh, you know, you mentioned that beginning of COVID, this was kind of a, a way for businesses to sustain any kind of business at all and bring in, generate some kind of revenue and they were forced to use them, right? Yep. So anytime uh, invention is uh, the necessity of being something needed, right? You know, and I think water finds its own level in, um, in this type of economic climate of, you know, capitalistic climate. So is this something to where it's a temporary um, ordinance in order for restaurants to get their minds together to play catch up? Or is this something to where people can just sit back and relax and go, you know what, this is capped at 15. We don't have to do much. We don't even have to think about this. And then come February, it's like, oh, no, this is that uh, elephant in the room again. Here's the sleeping monster that's going to be back on us. Um, What are your just personal opinion about that? So I think that the, you know, we've only ever asked for a temporary cap. And the Mm -hmm. reason why we only want a temporary cap is because we do truly see this as a COVID related relief um, ordinance and, you know, government help for restaurants. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the long term, I think that many restaurateurs are going to be taking advantage of this cap on fees while also, you know, finding creative ways that they can maybe lower their own costs in house. So if they could maybe train their employees to do some delivery driving, um, you know, look at supplementing their auto policy so that they can actually conduct commercial deliveries within with in-house at yeah. probably a lower rate, but maybe not. But I think that this is a really good length of time to allow restaurateurs to enter into the takeout and delivery market at profitable rates, and then also consider what works best for them going forward. Cut that clip, Jay. <laughs> that was a great clip because, I, and here's what I don't want to happen. I don't, I don't want complacency to take effect because this is something to where now you really it's it's off of it's off your checklist. I think what you said right there is perfectly and, and if if that tool is utilized exactly the way that you said it will should be utilized, I think that that's a great running start. You know, that's an act of God. What happened is an act of God. No, it's but this has been nobody's fault right. at all. So why should you be punished? And if your business has to adjust and do it quickly in order for survival. This is why government intervention should come into play. And and probably the only reason I think that it should come into play. But uh, at the same time, I really think that restaurant operators, restaurant tours, uh, you know, you need to figure out how do you co-op deliveries? How do you get together as a whole? How do you create a new local job? Mm-hmm. How do you take this opportunity to do these things to where you can utilize this for good? For that, I say amen, amen. And, and A+. Plus. <laughs> um, but really, if it's, if it's not utilized in the right way, because honestly, at the end of the day, if I was to own Postmates or Uber Eats or any of these companies to where it's like I've worked hard to get my business to where if some sucker's going to sign up for 35% with me, God bless them. This is the United States of America. They're free-thinking individuals, that's capitalism at its finest, um, now you're going to de-pants me because I'm being punished because I'm a good business, right? And, you know, if this was a year ago, I would maybe agree with you on that take because – 
restaurants weren't heavily restricted a year yeah. ago. But right now, this truly, they have so few options. Yeah. And a lot of that is due to government mandates. So we think that this is an appropriate government action to then support the restaurants or, in, you know, the industry that's yeah. been very disproportionately impacted. You know by COVID. those slippery slope arguments, though, don't <laughs> you? I mean, you have, you can, it's, you can, you can put anything in there and just substitute that slippery slope of like, well, if you do this, you're going to have to do that. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> then, then we're all communists with brown paper bags. <laughs> and, you know, I, I understand that argument. And I, I think that truly kind of speaks to the reason why we've been only looking for a temporary measure. Mm-hmm. We're not asking for this to be permanent. We're not. I mean, I certainly I think there'd be a far, few, far less appetite for these types of proposals if yeah. they were permanent. We truly just do see them as a tool to help restaurants through the fall and winter months. That was probably the best 15 minutes of talk that I've had in a long time. <laughs> That was good stuff. Well, thank you. I know. And I was like, all right, let's, let's not mess it up. Let's end it there, <laughs> um, which is good stuff. What, what else? CRA. We, you know, we love CRA, the things that you guys do, uh, obviously in the forefront of just uh, guidance, right? Guidance mm-hmm. for people. If you, if you don't take the guidance, uh, there you go. <laughs> um, it's up to you from there. But what kind of things are you working on that, that um, we might be able to see as we navigate around the corners here in fall and winter Absolutely. outdoor seating right outdoor seating that's that's one of our biggest push right pushes right now but the problem is that outdoor seating is cold yes. and it's expensive to make it warm yeah. so um on october 19th we will be hosting a design charrette we've partnered yeah. with the state of colorado we've partnered with the um, american institute of architects and other very key stakeholders so cool. to get a group of stakeholders together and look at actually how can restaurants launch practical outdoor spaces yeah. um at a you know taking costs into mind, taking public health guidance um, into mind. And we're really excited. We think that we have a great stakeholder group. Um, And then once we have the results of that design charrette um, or outdoor winter design workshop, we're going to post those online and we'll get the word out to the restaurant community. Um, And we're also in the process of kind of – finding some donors to get a grant program put together that we can actually help the restaurant tours launch those outdoor programs as well. Telling you the BYOB, bring your own blanket. (laughs) Like you will have the photo op of me cuddle. I'll be warm. I'll eat outside. (laughs) I'll be fine. I'm right there with you. You know, I'll be, I'll be loving it because I want something. I was bored beforehand. (laughs) So if I have to sit in a snowbank and eat food to support my local restaurant with a blanket on in a trash bag, I'll do it. Yeah. You, you remember as a kid, you used to put, uh, you know, plastic bags around your feet inside of your boots so that your feet would stay dry, Jay? No, but I grew up in California on the beach, and so <laughs> we didn't really have those kind of issues. <laughs> if you were wrapping up your feet in plastic, yeah. it, it's a totally different yeah. kind of weekend. I'll tell you about <laughs> Yeah. I, I'll tell you all about how to take a metal finder on the beach for coins. <laughs> But Man, I used to see those. That's how you know you're getting old is I remember seeing those guys, and when you're young, yeah. you're just like, what are you doing? And now I'm like, that seems like a great deal. Brilliant, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Find all kinds of yeah. rings and treasures. <laughs> right. Treasures. Yeah. Uh, Molly, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having just me. Just a great conversation. And uh, I really look forward to seeing how that turns out. And, and I, ho- I hope that it works in the benefit of which it was intended to be used. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Great work with that. Okay, we'll break off. We'll come right back. We've got some good stuff here. Uh, Cooked with cannabis. What? What are you doing? (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. This is the first time the Modern Eater Show has ever talked about infusing marijuana with food. Mm -hmm. Well, on the air. I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's right. You talk about it. First time here and there. First time. Yeah. And I think it's undeniable, especially in a progressive state like Colorado. Um, you know, why not? It exists. It's news. It's uh, newsworthy. And we have a local gentleman uh, that's here with us now. And Chef Harold Sims, the Netflix feature cooked with cannabis 
He was the winner. He got some cash out of it. What did he do? He probably got a restaurant. Starting, like well, you know, no. Or bought a, a VW. Van. No, here's the thing. Because so during his interviews and with some literature I read is he's not wild on the idea of owning his own Woo, restaurant. Are you sure? For we lo- should probably catch of, up with him on the other side. Reasons. All right. TheModernEater.com. All kinds of great pictures. We just got came off a fall dinner series. What's fall dinner series? Check out the pictures. Check out the community. We here in Denver, Colorado, we're doing stuff the right way. So not only are we showing Denver, but we're showing Colorado. We're showing the United States and internationally, showing the world. This is how you do it. This is how it's done. Mm-hmm. All right, the Modern Eater Show. We'll continue right after this from Studio Kitchen, Colorado. <laughs> I love the laugh. <laughs> like right now? Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's Kyle Mindenhall. I'm talking with uh, my good friends from the Modern Eater Show. Keep supporting them. There's a lot of good stuff happening. We started Meridium Spirits because we love the way that spirits and cocktails can bring people together to socialize, to bond, to have conversations. Well, right now we've got some big conversations to have. Coop Vodka and Coop Gin are available at liquor stores across the metro area. But if you can't find us or would like to have us behind your bar or at your restaurant, send us an email, info at meridiumspirits.com. We know things are a little different these days, but think of us the next time you're planning a virtual happy hour or a socially distant picnic. And keep an eye on our social media, Coop by Meridium, for all the latest and greatest. <laughs> hey, Dave Thibodeau here. <laughs> hey, friends of the Modern Eater, this is Dave Thibodeau from Ska Brewing and Peach Street Distillers. I wanted to let you know that our new brew distillery is up and running again in Boulder. And we've got a uh, great selection of Ska beers nearly 30 on tap. We've also got all of our Peach Street Spirits available, a great mixology program that we brought down from the from the Western Slope and Palisade. We're open limited hours, Wednesday through Friday from 3 to 10, and then we open up earlier at 10 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday and get some brunch action rolling. We have two great patios. Socially distant seating is available. And you can always check for more information at scostreet.com and hope we become your new favorite neighborhood spot. And I'd like to meet you there in the not too distant future for a beer or a drink soon. So take care, be healthy and stay strong. And I'll talk to you later. Hi guys, it's Cody Ann from Aspen Baking Company. We specialize in fresh, preservative free, amazing bread. But with all the food news, go right here to the Modern Eater. Hey, Zach Ryder here, Colorado Mills Sunflower Products out of Lamar, Colorado, your only local source grown from a local crop to produce a local oil for local chefs. You can find it at Shamrock Foods, What Chefs Want, Seattle Fish Company. Uh, Let me try it one more time, then we'll see. Hey, restaurants, we're glad you're reopening from Colorado Mills Sunflower Oil. We'll see you soon. First, we partner with the best farmers in the world, and then we tell them, we will take it all. Process whole spices daily, blend custom spices to order, keep it fresh, safe, and flavorful, all so that you can get back to doing what you do best. So whether you're a restaurant, a food manufacturer, or an at-home cook, be sure to visit The Spice Guy at www.thespiceguyco.com. All right, welcome back to a Wednesday, October 7th, and it's a beautiful, beautiful fall afternoon. I'll tell you what, this is how you give your restaurants a jump start going into the colder months. You make sure that their patio's full. That's it. That's all you have to do, and you'll enjoy yourself. You'll love it. 
I this love is Colorado. It. Yeah. Blanket, plastic Not bags. Yet. No blanket yet, oh. man. Shorts. Well, I don't know. Maybe for you, Sunshine. man. I've got thin blood. It's 85, the modern eater degrees outside right now. <laughs> and welcome back to the show. We'll get back to it in just a minute here. And cooked with cannabis with our friend uh, Chef Harold Sims, just becoming fast friends. But I'll tell you about Jeff Rourke and A-plus Beverage Solutions. He's the man. The man with the plan when it comes to tap installations, Jay. Did you know that? I did know that. Jeff Rourke, he's a family man, most trusted man in the business. He uh, installs tap lines, but he also does maintenance because you need maintenance. Things break down. That's do you right. own a car, Jay? I do. Does your car ever break down? N- well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it does. Do you fix it? No, I don't. <laughs> you do not fix it. I don't know it. how to do well, that. Well, I would not want you to own a bar and pour beer from me then because chances are you wouldn't fix your tap system. No, I wouldn't do it right. Uh, I've seen it many, many times. You pour it into a pitcher because the foam is up and then the temperature oh, I've drops. Been there, and man. then pour it into a cup and then all of a sudden they're putting it in front of you and actually want to charge you money for that. I've worked at a few places where it's there's more foam than there is beer. <laughs> no, no. You know, and, you ca- and you took it? Well, I mean, I didn't own the place. <laughs> you know, I just poured it. Uh, you I mean, I got them the beer, Greg. Yeah. But there's a lot don't of Don't do that to your servers. Don't do it to your bartenders, chef, owner, operators, restaurateurs. Mm-hmm. Call the man. It's a simple phone call away, whether it's a water, wine, nitro, coffee. You want to add a line. He can do that. Your glycol system, he can do that, too. If you're pouring in efficient beer, Jay, what are you doing, my boy? You're pouring your money down the drain. Please don't pour your money down the drain. Get a hold of Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions, 720-272-3809. Did you get that, Harold? I did. No, you didn't. 3809. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, oh, that's a good mind. I'll give you the front part of it, too. 720 272 <laughs> 3809. Gotcha. Repeat that one for me. 720-272-3809. Perfect. Yep. Be like Harold. Call Jeff Rourke and A-Plus Beverage Solutions. Back to the show on this Wednesday. It's a hump day, and I'm loving this one. Great conversation with Molly Steineman and uh, the CRA just doing great work for all of you guys out there. You should send them a note of thanks is what you should do. Uh, Chef Harold Sims here with us. Netflix feature. And I have to go slow with this one because I haven't watched it, and I'm – kicking myself because it looks like everything I want in entertainment television. So without further ado, before we catch up with you, let's play this trailer, if you don't mind. I'm with it. All right, that's what's up. Cooking world by storm. And it's all because of this star ingredient. Bring on the weed. Welcome to a cooking competition like no other. Feeling dangerous. Each episode, three expert cannabis chefs will prepare a three-course cannabis-infused menu that will put their culinary skills to the ultimate test. I'm competitive. I love to win, and nobody travels anywhere to take an L. I really like using raw flour just because there's so much flavor that's in it. One of you is going to be leaving here with $10,000. Two of you are going to just be leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Along for the wild ride, and each episode will be a group of special guests. I can tell you gotta be had to come up with this. I just ate the whole pie. <laughs> Let's get it cooked! <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about right there, that beautiful sear. Mm. When CBD and THC work together, they essentially create a symphony. This last one really got me, though. Took me to another level. It's fire time, guys. It's gonna smoke all together. Oh, you're so dramatic. <laughs> 30 minutes till I win the $10,000. Oh, watch oh. oh, why am I holding a spoon? Because... I'm high. <laughs> Less than one minute left. That's not enough time. Are you fired up? Yes, say it! I can see that people are getting a little bit more intense. This is it. Five, four, three, two, one! This is Cooked with Cannabis. 
sweetie, you can't get up from the table till you've had your THC. <laughs> How fun is that? I mean, just at first blush, that was a great trailer. And so, obviously, high production, right? Yep. Very high production. Yeah. Great uh, people. Chef Harold Sims and, and the winner. You won. I did. I won episode two, Global Eats, which is or Global Foods. Global stuff that you consume edition. That was cool. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Tell us about yourself. Oh, what do you want to know, man? Where where Um, would you grow up? So I grew up in North Carolina, a small town called Oxford, literally two exits on the interstate kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, And then after that, I went to college in Campbell University, joined the Army. And then when I was getting out of the Army, I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, go back to cooking, something I always loved. So why not? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Jump right both feet. Okay. Yeah. Chef for... Since since the army, before while I was still in the army, I was actually doubling up and working uh, at a restaurant for about a year and a half before I retired. Um, I really wanted it. Like I, I just love the idea of being in a restaurant and like that thing when they're like, "Oh, you worked your way from dishwasher to like the yeah. exact chef." That was always cool. I never did dishwashing, but I was close. I was fry cook, so I smelled like French fries all the time. That's you know all right. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're I in it. all the ladies. <laughs> That's mm. right, Jay. <laughs> I did, uh, my first job, technically my first job was McDonald's. I'm that kid, you know, and, and I messed that up so bad. that uh, uh, I had my, a Burger King that wouldn't hire me. <laughs> which I'm like, wow. So here's, I've told you this real quick. <laughs> Don't laugh. They're like, not in this kingdom. <laughs> no, they, <laughs> they, they didn't want me. Chef, you'll love this, and, and I'll make it quick, I promise. But my first job technically was McDonald's, and they put me in, in the back of the thing. To, to, and all I had to do, I was the bun guy, right? All I had to do was oh, cook, I love this cook, cook the buns. And everything there was automated. And this is in the 90s, but it was still automated right. right and so they're like you take the buns out you put it on this tray you put it in and push the button it toasts them you pull it out slide right. it down that's it four movements right the manager comes back you know 20 minutes into my shift i'm toasting the tops of all the buns and on the, and the bottom bottoms right. of all the buns you know he's like no dude so what do they do they move me out to the cash register let me handle money. Money is more know? important. And I, and I, every time I made a mistake yeah. uh, uh, with something, which was often, I would just yeah. give people like a free Big Mac or something that was because they used to have them on the conveyor belts so that just come down, pile them up. And so I'm like, uh, yeah, that's forty four dollars. I got t- two things. I'm like, oh, I'm stupid. <laughs> and I'd be like, here's a free Big Mac, you know. And I'm just giving. Them. And I, I technically I was stealing, but I honestly was doing it just to help. Stealing like without knowledge of stealing is yeah. somehow not as bad. Yeah, somehow like, oh, my bad. So cannabis. Um, uh, this was the first time you've ever partake with cannabis, right? I mean, the yeah, and no, I've never even seen it before, man. I was when they showed me like what it looked like, I was like, that is the weirdest wait, looking herb. What does it do yeah, to you? Yeah, yeah, man. How, um, yeah, I didn't know anything about that. I was you like, had to look with it the up. devil's lettuce the whole time. <laughs> That's man. Like, right. No one told me that. When did cannabis get introduced into your life? So I remember when I was like younger, I kind of dabbled with it a little bit. Like I think mm-hmm. you know a lot of people did. Um, but then I went into the army, and before that was track. So sure. everything was like one of those zero policies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went a solid eight years without even kind of like touching it. Once I got out of the army, though, uh, I was on a lot of opioids for my knee surgeries okay. and stuff like that. Um, but it affected everything. You know, you can't. It's not like opioids just take the pain away. You can't do a lot of stuff. Uh, so I switched over to cannabis, and I haven't looked back since. Absolutely. Um, and then you started integrating that into food. Yep. Yeah, and so that was one of those things I literally just started for pleasure. I would, like, kind of do dinners the same way you pair, like, wine with different meals. I would do the same thing with cannabis. You would smoke it, and you eat your meal. And at your like house? That. No, we would do it at different places. Um, 
few like lounges. They have like smoking lounges here yeah. in Denver, right? Uh-huh. So we did a few of those. Um, we would do it at private people, like private houses. Um, as long as there wasn't open consumption, like anybody wasn't smoking like there, um, mm-hmm. we could have it anywhere kind of thing. But when it was actual smoke involved, we had to have it at a private residence. T- talk um, to me. I mean, now I'm like, oh, light bulb, you know, because we do a lot of pairing dinners with, mm-hmm. you know, whiskeys or bourbons or beers or wines. How do you approach a pairing dinner with cannabis? So with me, I always feel like the terpene profile is the biggest part. So terpenes are the kind of smells that you get from cannabis, right? And everything has terpenes, all fruits, vegetables, Mm -hmm. everything, right? Uh, And I think that we kind of did ourselves a disservice by just overlooking that and going for the THC count because that's really what everybody – but you don't buy a bottle of alcohol and go, this is only 16%. (laughs) Like no one, no one does that. Yeah, nobody does that. And if you do – you have a problem. Yes, like you, you my grandfather used to do that. Um, so it's one of those things which is kind of like, so I wanted to take that same approach and elevate it to cannabis to where people weren't just like, man, I am stoned tonight. It's like, oh, that was only 10 milligrams or so, but it was so vastly paired that I felt something different each time. Mm. You know, it's like, it's still a work in progress, but I mean, cannabis is still relatively new as far as the research market goes. Okay. The show cooked with cannabis. What, what do they give? What are the ingredients? Where do they get the cannabis? Do you get a, a shopping list with food and cannabis? It sounds like yes. every kid's not kids, every adult stream. You have they <laughs> maybe catch myself. I don't know twenty different kind of like strains or cultivars. I guess it would be a better word for mm-hmm. it. Um, and they would send that to you, and it would have the readout of all the terpenes. Tell me the some of them. Um, so they had blackberry. Uh, they had one was called like blackjack. They had wedding cake. They had. Um, Italian something, uh, but they like like just every kind of strain that you've heard of that's been like Blue Dream, obviously, yeah. which is really big here in Denver. Um, then uh, the Wedding Cake is also really big in LA. Yeah, and so they just kind of tried to find different profiles from everything. So the terpenes lists were so different. So it was like the difference between the smell of banana and an apple. Did they allow you to do research? Yeah, uh, as far as smelling it and kind of reading out, which was actually one of my favorite parts, is because usually you would smoke it or you would inhale mm-hmm. somehow. But literally, you just had to look at it, and you had to have the readout of all of the scientific data for mm-hmm. it, and you had to create your dish based around the percentages, based around the terpene profiles, without ever having to actually smoke it. So it became a little bit more of a scientific. Some people probably going, well, why, why can't you smoke it? Was it a liability thing? Was yes. that written into a contract? Yes. They didn't want you going uh, half-baked on them? Yeah, I think a lot of people still have the reefer madness kind of mindset, yeah. especially when it comes down to the business aspects of it. Because you don't want to really – you have to be very careful, especially in bars, as you would know. Like when you're working at bars, you, that's one of your biggest losses is your liquor, right? Now imagine if you're doing that with cannabis where it's three to four times more. So you have to be really careful with that for as far as product and price. But also there are a lot of people who just kind of have different adverse effects to it. You might smoke and then completely not know what you're doing on the line, cut yourself, whatever. So it's one of those things that want to keep you as far away from it as possible until it kind of came time to actually use it. It kind of puts you, like I said, in a scientific mind state. And I always wonder from the business perspective, because so I have some friends that have participated in Top Chef. Right. And Top Chef was like, you know, we're filming in Colorado, but we don't want any mention of any marijuana, any weed, any anywhere at all, period. Sign something specifically about that. We wouldn't think you'd have to sign something specific. They did. Uh, And that was Mm -hmm. probably because it's not federally legal and there are sponsors at play. Right. And they may not want to. So I'm wondering, I mean, I don't know Netflix model. It seems like Netflix can do whatever they want to because there's, yeah. you know, they're putting out their own content. Right. Why, why didn't they just let you go, you know, weed out? Just. I think they wanted to take it more of a, so they, this is their second kind of cannabis related show that they had. The other one was called Cooking on High or Cook, Cooking on High, I believe. 
Um, and the biggest complaint about that was kind of the lack of, uh, for lack of better words or for want of a better phrase, uh, legitimacy. They kind of wanted people to have, it just kind of seemed like people were just kind of like having fun with it, which is mm -hmm. great. But if you kind of notice, they cut in a lot more informational stuff. Mm -hmm. They have percentages and everything kind of laid out as for you. Um, and so they wanted to kind of go for more of a we are chefs first, mm -hmm. cannabis smokers second. Interesting. And so we everything was about creating your dish and crafting it beautifully and all. That. And then the cannabis became another spice where it was more like gotcha. you're going to use and one percent salt. Yeah. Right. Exactly. An additive. Um, okay. So judges, judges were eating and getting high, right? Yep. Yep. So we had to limit everything. Who are some of the, the total okay. the tally of the meal was ten milligrams. Okay. So we had to, everything was super low. And dosage. how do you know that? Was there a, a little nerdy scientist guy? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Chris Singh, uh, he was uh, the advisor. Um, he's a uh, he's the herbal chef on Instagram. Really great guy. Um, and he would just be kind of sitting there, running through our math with us back and forth. And then when we did an infusion, we raised our hand. He'd come over. He'd ask us what we were putting into where and how much. And then we would go with it. So that's a dish, right? Yep. Now, for those that don't, I mean, I don't know where I got this because I know nothing about it. But the 10 milligrams is usually like a gummy or a quarter of chocolate right, or right. something to where you'd get a 100 yeah. milligram bar. Exactly. But 10 milligrams would be a serving. Yes. Right. So, so how many servings would so they allow you to have? We were only allowed 10 maximum over the course of all three meals. So 10 milligrams were, like you said, that one piece yeah. of chocolate was for all three meals combined because the judges were eating you know, six meals a day from two different groups. So yeah. it's 12, you know, where the judges popped off at that point or could you so tell? I, 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 if they were, I couldn't tell You're really, I mean, cause they were like uh -huh. pros, like some of the hosts or some of the, the yeah. guest hosts, like, you know, they, it was kind of hitting them a little different, but as far as leather and Khalees, man, they were on it. Okay. I want to talk about who those guests and the hosts were, uh, because again, I mean, this is my homework assignment. I am going to definitely uh, partake in this. Was there any smoking? of cannabis so lot. only kind of smoking we could do if it was actually smoked to infuse it into the meal you know like you could smoke in and cover it in a cloche or something like that uh but outside of that uh yeah no nobody no smoking on set outside like anywhere sure yeah right uh, yeah <laughs> that's the rule that's right. the rule and and i followed it to the letter yeah, that's everybody right. follows it that's to true. the t right. okay so the judges i see ricky lake here Yes. I saw John Sally in there and yeah. uh, um, Joe Coy, who's a mm -hmm. really good comedian. I saw him. So obviously they're open about their consumption. Yes. Yeah. And that was also really interesting is that they had a, such a diverse group of mm -hmm. guest judges who were just all yeah. about it. You know? Yeah. And they some judges would be like, I they wouldn't guess you'd smoke some weed. Or right. Know, or they say goofy stuff. Or like, I, mean? I knew you did. Right. They'll just kind of like <laughs> take one bite and be like, oh, my God, I'm too high. And you're like, come on, man. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. so, yeah, it was I was really grateful that all the judges were like on point. So a lot of times when you're uh, – first of all, how, how, how much filming? What, what did that take place over? So it took place over the course of three days, uh, nine hours each day of filming. Um, and it was just the first day was infusions. Second day was the actual competition. Mm -hmm. And the third day was the post wrap-up and anything they might have missed, questions and stuff like that. Um, it was my first experience with anything like that, but mm -hmm. I, I loved it. So the, the post-production, the final product, did they represent what you believe to be – Fair. Yes. Uh, I, I think that everything that played out played out the way it should have. Um, I don't there. There was one judge who said that my jug, which is a uh, Yemeni's kind of hot sauce. Mm -hmm. uh, she said it looked like bird poop. And um, that was a little. <laughs> that That's was what a, she said. 
Looked like bird poop. I mean, she liked it. Know, Wait, that, that's in just in my opinion, without having seen it and just taking the sentence. You know, that's a little bit of like, um, let's spice up the production, right? You right. You know, just yeah. a bell and whistle that she yeah. could have used anything, but she said that because that'll turn. Some well, heads. was there any truth right. to it? Did it look uh, like bird poop? When she said it. Really I, had, oh, I was, I I was like, oh, I'm not <laughs> mad at that. Like, if she, if she, if, 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 if anybody else would have said anything, like, oh, it's disgusting. Or she's like, I loved, I love that one thing he had, the uh, the bird poop. And everybody was like, the fuck, you know? Yeah, she's what like, is the that? Bird poop. And she showed the picture, and I was like, oh man, that does like bird poop. Mm. But it tasted great. So. Chef, Chef Harold Sims here with us on Netflix, and it's cooked with cannabis. I have a feeling that they're going to be focused. How, how can people watch this episode? So I'm on episode two, but please do not skip straight to episode two. Episode okay. one has Chef Amanda and Chef Nate and Cynthia Shishido, who's actually on uh, season one of Top Chef. She was one of the biggest reasons that they had it. Um, and you so said they can watch on Netflix. It's streaming now, and uh, hopefully it will be streaming for quite a while. So don't rush out and see it now. You can see it whenever, you know. But um, I think it's just one of those things that uh, it really nailed, put the nail in the coffin as far as like cannabis can be used as an ingredient instead of just like a gimmick, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for recreational or medicinal or both, or I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it has to be one or the other. And I think that once we start getting there, is when mm-hmm. we get in trouble. Once people are like, oh, like it, it's a medicine. That's all it can be used as because then anything outside of that, obviously, you know, kind of defeats that purpose. But then if you go recreational, it's the same problem. So mm-hmm. I think that if we, it's like anything else we have, you kind of have to leave it to the individual. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to use it just to – people the same way people go mm-hmm. in and go, um, let me get the highest THC. Or some people go, let me smell these. Well, not so much now, but, you know, let me find out the profiles and stuff like that or the effects. So it's just kind of a balancing act. Yeah, know? I'd rather that happen What regardless of, rather than like, uh, can I get my uh, prescription of Vicodin filled again because I'm hooked? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a funny thing because like bartending, it's what you were just to what you were just speaking about as far as like someone that just wants to get high and then somebody that's actually appreciating what's happening. Right. It's bartending and somebody comes up and they, they would ask me, uh, what's the drink with the most alcohol that I can get? Yeah, you right. know, that sort of thing versus exactly. somebody going like, oh, that looks like a cool beer. You know, like, is, yep. what's that about? What's the yep. citrus or something exactly, like that? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So strong uh, island. Give me a strong how island. Did, how did they judge and how did you win? Um, so I think they judged fairly and I won incredibly. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're smart people. The judging was the best part. That's right. <laughs> Good judges. Um, no, so what I think they went by was one kind of how you implemented your cannabis into it. Was it mm-hmm. creative? What your dishes looked like? How you stand out? Were they, um, and cause they were each round. I, I didn't know. You know what I mean? Like you see other people. Oh, they didn't tell you. They weren't going to be like, okay, this is going to be plating. This is going to be taste. This is going to be, and this is 10 point criteria. It was just kind of like one of those things like get creative, like show us how you can use cannabis. Uh, And so when that came down each round, you would look at the other contestants and be like, man, like that's good looking food. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so at the end, it was one of those things where you, you feel like you've done enough, but you don't know until they say it. You know? So once she said my name, uh, it, it, you'll see when you see the episode, I started crying uh, because that is my initial reaction for happiness. Awesome. Start crying. You so. start crying? Yeah. All right, yeah. man. No shame in my game. That's right. Did I cry at shampoo commercials? You know what I mean? Well, that's, no. a, that's just menopause, man. He's crying out of happiness, not that your dad <laughs> not hasn't talked to you in 30 years. God, you know? Why you always bring up, why you always bring up my old man? That's a true story. <laughs> Chef, I'll tell you about it off the air. It's, well, it's a good a one. true story. Uh, your cooking influence, man. What do you like to cook? So... Strangely enough, um, I, my background was classically French trained, where mm-hmm. he went to Johnson & Wales. Mm-hmm. But as I started kind of – people always go, like, what's your style? What's your style? And as I started kind of digging into it, what I found out was I liked a certain kind of flavor profile. 
Uh, and then my family did our Ancestry.com background, and we found out that most of our family is from Cameroon. And so I just went head first into African cooking, Sweet. you know. And I just plus it was one of those things where we were military brats, and mm-hmm. so we moved all over. And so the last place we stayed most was North Carolina. Mm-hmm. By the time we got there, I was already had accents from Texas, and mm-hmm. I was, and so I wasn't quite black enough. Mm-hmm. I wasn't quite like white enough. Mm-hmm. So I was in this weird like limbo. And I think that finally being able to like claim that like I'm an African chef yeah. like I mean that's my style like yeah. you can't take that from me it was just one of the best feelings to just kind of have like alright that's a little bit of validation I love right? it so cool. like Jay and I what would be a good uh, African dish you'd want to introduce us to so I feel like any kind of stewed chicken thigh is like one of the best representations uh, as far as like having like the that like authentic yeah man just the fall off the bone the, the flavors are there chicken can absorb so much more flavor than like uh-huh. a lot of the tougher yeah. meats you know like the, usually we would use goat or something like that yeah. but obviously it's a little bit harder to find so we want to replace we can with get lamb, you some goat yeah oh yeah oh There's man goat. we can man we have hookups on yeah, all the you heard about you know what red red is no yeah, i guess it's some plantain stuff we met a chef over doing this dinner series where he's going to come in and do so he says it's called red red yeah uh-huh. i'm from intrigued. ghana it's from ghana a lot Ooh. of times um ingredients are just indigenous to the environment so ask what are some right. indigenous ingredients to to the region that you like to cook from in africa so i my biggest thing is because it's in central africa it's, it's pretty much everything yeah. that's available so i always kind of narrow it down like to any spice that starts with c you know cumin coriander cinnamon like <laughs> nice. cloves like it can pretty much wow be okay yeah. and so like with the right amount of tempering salt pepper and stuff like that right yeah uh that balance of warm and sourness is always like the most to me the most authentic uh, african representation because like the warm spices aren't really in a lot of places uh-huh. besides the middle east and yeah. africa yeah. as far as the savory dishes uh-huh. and then the same thing with that sourness you mostly find in like southeast asia sure. and like stuff like that um, so I, I think that that would be one of my favorite kind of like styles. You know, so just getting in there, finding all the sea yeah. spices. How about vegetables? So with vegetables, uh, okra is a really big one, okay. right? Um, that's actually where gumbo is actually you know the, the term. For yeah. Okra, okay. Right? Didn't know that. Yeah. So that's what Africans call uh, okra is gumbo, and so we, I, I, it's one of those things that you can pickle it. You can fry it up and kind of leave it like that. So what I like to do is kind of find a way to do okra like four ways. Yeah. You know, and then should present a plate that's all okra with different tastes, textures, and styles like that. Because African cooking is like saying I want American food. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a huge it, – totally. it's diaspora. You know, yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. So – Ten grand is what yeah. they cut you a check for ten grand. Yeah. Is that true? So Uncle Sam dipped out. Yeah, no, I mean the, the check was only for five grand. Really? Uh, no, it was ten. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it was ten. <laughs> yeah. Don't come for me. For tax reasons. <laughs> yeah, it was a no. hundred dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a bus ticket, and they were just like, "Hey, man, good job." Yeah, I'm cool with that. Right. But some people say, "Okay," uh, and that was the news piece I read is that um, you elected not to use that money for a restaurant because this was right. Um, right. COVID right. broke right then. Actually, you know, uh, this was well before COVID and everything. Since I started in restaurants, I knew that restaurants weren't exactly. You're not going to make much yeah, money. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're great. I mean, if you're yeah. the and upper lucky. echelon. Yeah. And, I mean. Because you can be great. We know a lot of great chefs. The yeah. location or this yeah, or yeah. something Something's else. Gonna, something yeah. hurts and you. And then all of a sudden. We know sudden. chefs who are bad boys now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just one of those things where. And so when it came down to that, it was so much reliance on everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a very, I'm really independent. So it was one of those things where it was like, um, if I feel like I can do something and I have the wherewithal and the yeah. pieces, I can find the pieces and the people. Like, yeah. But with the restaurant, there were so many failures there's so many ways to do it mm-hmm. wrong and that i didn't have the passion to try to do it right yeah you know what i mean and, and i used to be ashamed about that because i was like oh you're a chef you should want a restaurant uh and then i realized that chefs are about food not restaurants yeah you know what i mean so it's like you can cook you can be a chef in the middle of nowhere 
you know, or Absolutely. you can have your own restaurant or you do pop-ups or yeah. you can write about food, like whatever. For sure. So it's just There's one of those so things. many things. I mean, we yeah. could be like me and Jay. Right. We just sit here and talk about <laughs> food and eat it, which, right. which we love as well. Uh, how are you on time? Can we keep you for another yeah. uh, just quick segment? I want to break off, make a quick turnaround here. Um, come back. I want to finish some things up. And then um, I want to tell you about a story of a friend of ours, Chef Cheeto, who um, actually introduced tacos to Africa. Yeah, I love to hear that. God, you know, I was going to call him. Maybe I can get him on Zoom in this break by some it's weird chance. so interesting. I'll, I'll murder the story, but that's okay. I think I have it kind of down. It's a cool story. And then um, I, I just want to wrap up with you and talk about what's next in your future. I, I want really to ask about Harold for Hire. Yes, I do, too. That's yeah. why we're breaking and coming back. Well, I mean, I just wanted to All say right. it. I love you, Jay. Okay, mm. we're going to break off. We're going to come back on this Wednesday, October 7th. Again, lots of great stuff, themoderneater.com. Can you go there sometime, themoderneater.com? Would you sign up for our newsletter? I got you. We will not send you stuff you don't want. <laughs> I can't promise that. <laughs> but we will okay. send you today's show. Today's show cool. brought to you by Harold Sims. We love him. All right, new friend here, and we'll be cooking with him in the kitchen here soon. From Studio Kitchen Colorado, we'll take a time out. Be right back. The Modern Eater Show continues. Hey, Modern Eater fans. I'm Don Trouble with the Annex by Art at Mills, and I just wanted to give you a heads up about some of the great things we've got going on locally in the state. We're headquartered right here, and we're working with farmers in the San Luis Valley to bring you amazing Colorado quinoa. It's just like the South American stuff, but grown locally. We've got transitional wheat flour that's grown by farmers in Colorado and surrounding states who are in the process of, of turning their fields into organic. So we're taking that transitional wheat and turning it into flour, and now it's available for you to cook and bake with. And last but not least, we're now cleaning grain berries in Denver. So things like spelt or wheat berries uh, or pearl barley, those are things that we're now doing right here locally and are available to you. Can't wait to share it with you. Hey, Colorado restaurant and food service operators. This is Rich O'Brien along with Pearson Shields over here at Elevation Food Service Reps. And uh, we wanted to let you guys know that at the end of the month on the 23rd and 24th here at our global headquarters in Park Hill, Colorado, Denver, Colorado, uh, we're gonna be having our demo sale where you can buy great products gently used for an excellent price. And uh, we want to invite you over and, you know, chefs, I know you all know Pearson and uh, he can vouch that these are pretty good products. It's going to be a good price. No, absolutely. We, we used them, generally use them, and we're super excited. We're going to have some good food as well. Some well, by you. Chicken. I, yeah. I'll be cooking. Yeah, so. we got Pearson cooking. And hey, excited. guys, come over this way, too. And uh, don't mind the young woman right there. She's just kind of hanging out and hiding. But uh, we have all this equipment here that we're going to be doing our best to sell and get out of here. So uh, any questions, give us a call over here. Here at Elevation, 303-750-3727 or at elevationfs.com. And if you have any questions about the equipment, just give Pearson a holler. Thanks, guys. Hey there, barbecue all-star. This is your year. So what if you weren't drafted? The only draft you need to be worried about is actually spelled D-R-A-U-G-H-T. And it's adult for the word beer. It's barbecue season, baby. Now get out there and grill your ass off. Hey guys, it's Brian Rizzuto with Encore Energy, the guy who saves your businesses money on natural gas. I know these are crazy, crazy times right now. So while your business is working on increasing your sales, let me work on saving you guys money on your natural gas. I'm making it as easy as possible. Just provide 12 months worth of natural gas bills to me. 
I'll do the rest. I know you're really busy, so let me get to work for you. You can reach me at 720-245-5771. I look forward to hearing from you guys, and let me try to save you some money in these crazy times. Bye. Hi, Charlie from Brews Beers here, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new Abbey 4-Pack, featuring the four main products of Abbey and Trappist Breweries in Belgium. So there's the single, the double, the triple, and the quadruple. And let's talk about singles today. Singles or ankles are traditionally monks beers served at mealtimes and during the day. They're low in alcohol, three to five and a half percent. And they're often second runnings from uh, stronger beers like triples or quadruples. This one is 3.8% ABV and it's made from the second runnings from our triple. So what they're known for is lightness and drinkability, their biscuity flavor with distinct hoppiness, and they're very refreshing. Great summer beers available at either brews location, 67th and Pecos, or at Colfax in York, and at fine liquor stores throughout the metro area. Pick up your Abbey Four Pack today and take home some Belgian-style badassery. Back to the show in just a second, but before we do that, it's my favorite time of the show, and it's time to talk bread, and specifically Aspen Baking Company. If you're a bread lover like me, or if you're a chef that loves cooking and serving delicious bread, and you don't have the wherewithal to make it yourself, AspenBaking.com is where you go. Since 1994... The year I graduated, so I'm old and I know what I'm talking about. They've been making the most delicious bread in the city. Uh, Chef Harold, what's your, what's your favorite kind of bread to cook with? Ooh, my favorite kind of bread is going to be brioche. Brioche? Yeah. Aspenbaking.com. They're making delicious brioche. They Let's get them some. Lobster rolls. How much you want? How many pounds? <laughs> Well, we'll get much one. as you can eat. We'll get, we'll one get, pound. We'll get back. One will be good. We'll get back to it. Order online. Order direct. Order with Amazon Fresh. Aspenbaking.com. If you need catering, they got you covered. If you want to do some boxed lunches, they're making delicious boxed lunches. Uh, basically, if you think bread and you're in Denver, you think Aspen Baking. And take it from me because I don't need cheese and I don't need meat and I don't need he lettuce. Bread. I need bread. And when I need bread, I go to Aspenbaking.com. It's a Wednesday, October 7th, and this is a great conversation as we're catching up with Chef Harold Sims. Uh, Netflix it's cooked with cannabis, and he's the winner in episode two, right? Yes. How many episodes? So there are six episodes out right now. And it's going to keep going? I hope. I, I hope so, You too. never really know Netflix. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they march to their own drummer. So uh, I got six episodes to binge watch. And now I feel like I, you know, I know a star, someone who's famous. You know, what did this do for you? Um, it definitely got me a little bit more exposure as far as the culinary world. Yeah. Uh, it allowed me to establish that uh, I was kind of essentially supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that that, to me, was enough. It gave me validation. I love that. And, and, and how about uh, jobs? Uh, yeah. That's tell tell us the name of your business. Super Solid Foods. Super Solid yep. Foods. And so uh, we are uh, cooking, doing pop-ups. We do private dinners. We do. What's that like? Give, take me through the process. I call so, you Super Solid Foods. What's up? I'm looking to get get down here. What do you got for me? Uh, so I'll usually kind of go for number of people, number of courses. Yeah, I got uh, like eight, eight of my closest friends. All right, so eight of your closest Five friends. Five courses. Anything we celebrating? Uh, we're just celebrating life. All right, right on. 
So now get a little bit of your backstory, where you're from, where your friends are from. Yeah, the Denver native. Okay, friends, Denver native. Yeah, friends right. are from all over the Cali, cool. East Coast, Left Coast, the whole thing. Right. So then in that case, if, are we doing kind of like a sit-down with me? Are we doing yeah, kind of my thing? house. Is all that right. cool? Can cool. we do yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then in that case, we'll do probably, I don't want to keep it like, since we're doing it at your house, you got some friends, you guys, I'm guessing you haven't seen each other in a while. We're all coming together, right? Pretty much. So what we want to do is kind of span like across the continent, right? We're oh. trying to start over on the East Coast, and then by the time we end, we're on the West Coast. Feel good you know about I mean? that. Exactly. You know what I mean? That way your friends get something, you get something. Okay. We got, like, light stuff. It creates a little conversation. Um, so we would do something. But I would also do a spin on it. You know what I mean? So I'd like to add, like, something. If we're going to do, like, a lobster roll, mm-hmm. there are Africanized fish dishes that Ooh. we can kind of spin into, nice. like, the sauces for the lobster rolls yeah. and stuff like that um, without overpowering the lobster, obviously. Yeah. Do you want background on my guests? Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, you want to know yeah. what people's tastes are. Food right. allergies? Do you yeah. want to know about yep. that? Dietary restrictions are a must. Yep. There must. Yep. You need to know ahead of time. Yes. Nothing worse than a chef being like, nobody told me that. Right? Oh, I have these 18 portions <laughs> of fish. And I'm like, yeah. oh, man, we're all yeah. allergic. And, and like, Brian's yeah. gluten-free. Mm. Like, God, Brian. I love we when people bread. set up a, or will ask me if they can buy a ticket to an event or something. And they're yeah. just like, but also – Gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free. Is yeah. that going to be okay? And I'm like, you should stay home. I was like, <laughs> I don't exactly know what you right. expect me to you do. You should cook for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, learn it. how to cook. Yeah, like, learn no, how to no cook. Offense, or just sure. go and don't eat and know that, that you could be – and that's the, the extreme. But when somebody is nut allergy, this and fish and that, yeah. it, it's yeah. like, like, man, yeah. don't put the pressure on the per- – no. you know, It's like you can go yeah. and have fun, but sneak in whatever you can eat in a Ziploc bag in your pocket. You yeah, know, and get your EpiPen. Yeah, and just know that. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, not to make fun. Anybody you can, needs no, a but pin. but you know, but but there is some truth yeah. to that. Right. Um, so, uh, how cost food? What? Where? Where is this going to land? This is probably the. That's right. the big question because it's like, are you right. trying to? What are you trying to serve? Tenderloin? Or are you right, trying to exactly, <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like in a restaurant with a good wall is um, kind of depending on where you go and stuff. But uh, a good rule is kind of like 25% of the budget, yeah. you know, it's always going to be groceries, uh-huh. stuff like that. And you take that multiply by three, and that's kind of your overall. Yeah. Um, but then if you have any labor costs going in there and like your whatever, like if you have a really high insurance premium because you didn't go with somebody who's good yeah. or whatever, uh, that's when you kind of start having to attack on more. Uh, but when it comes to talking to your client, uh, you always want to give them enough to know mm-hmm. what's going on. But also, if you're going to sit here and just like go, all right, here's how I priced everything out. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, that may work with some people. Um, but for me, it's more one of those things where it's like I trusted me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we're going to do this together. We can take it up or down if you want to. But Nice. Yeah. Just work. Yeah, let's just talk, work. Let's talk, yeah. Let's talk it through. We exactly. can do that. You got a bunch for everybody. Um, does everybody want to have cannabis involved in the dinners? Surprisingly, like most people don't, mm. um, which was actually one of the biggest things because the show was cooked with cannabis. So I thought people would be reaching out more for that, sure. but it's more about the African style. Wow. Which is and really that to cool. you, you're like, yes. Yes. That was, I mean, I had people from it, Nigeria. Um, the uh, UFC welterweight champion, uh, I forgot his name, from, he was from Nigeria. Um, he reached out one time looking to kind of do like cooking for him and stuff like that before pre-corona. And uh, so it was definitely uh, it's definitely a lot more about the African aspect than it is about the cannabis, which makes it so much easier because we can go to places that are still illegal, unfortunately, and give them a similar experience if we use CBD or anything like that or even Delta 8, you know, which is kind of a big coming up now as far as cannabis goes because mm-hmm. um, it's a hemp derivative that has similar properties to THC. 
um, and it's completely federally legal or federally legal. Mm-hmm. So we have found a way to kind of spin into other places yeah. with CBD and stuff like that. Are you worried about the liability end of that? If somebody says, well, I want to do a cookie with cannabis or is it like, hey, this is your thing. Here's a release. It's just yeah. your house. And- so my insurance and everything uh, covers for essentially the same as a bar. You know, it's like you uh, you've walked into there with a lot of responsibility sure. to take care of yourself, yeah. you know. Uh, and so these people will come in and, and we'll have most of the time people just kind of trust me to know how much they. But I've seen dinners where people do 200 milligrams in the entire meal uh, and then wonder why people are just like falling all over the place and having to call Ubers and leaving their car at the event center and stuff. And I'm like, man. Uh, so for me, it's way more about kind of like slowly titrating, yes. let people know, and then also Agreed. additives where it's kind of like, yeah. hey, if you want more, this is how we'll do that. Yeah. If you don't, you know. And treat it like alcohol too, right? Exactly. I mean- you don't go in there and just, you know, I know I'm going to drink a, a fifth of something. It's exactly. Like, no, nah, you know, you don't need to go in there and chug a f- Have a couple of drinks. See how you feel then. Yep. You then might not need all that. We even go to the point where yeah. I try to make all of the meals um, both infused and uninfused options. Yeah. So it's like not one of those things where it's like, oh, well, the infused tastes different. Yeah. It's just like, well, we didn't put the infusion in until later on. So this batch is uninfused. This one's infused. The only difference is cannabis, yeah. you know. What do you think future-wise cannabis will be a cooking ingredient? I think that mainstream. It'll be, I think it'll be see the spices behind us. Do you think we'll see kind of like a like yeah. a like a sour diesel kind yeah. of spice or something like that? I think as far as like the with the show they were doing a lot of isolates and mm-hmm. so there were a lot of like crystalline structures and stuff like that. And we had the uh, THC salts and like what yeah. are sugars. Um, I think that that yes, definitely. Uh, but as far as just like raw terpenes or they make them now. Um, but as far as just like raw terpenes or raw THC or anything like that, I think that's going to be a little less desirable because then it's going to start taking a little less control out of your hands. You're just going to have to trust whoever made that Got telling it. you that this is the best sour diesel you ever. Instead of going from kind of like seed to oil where you're yeah. like, you know, I know who grew this. Like I've seen the whole process. I can smell I broke it down. Then I cooked into oil. Now I'm serving it, you know. So I think that as far as it being mass produced, I would honestly say I hope not. Okay. Yeah, because too many hands make the dish taste terrible. Well, it's just like yeah. f- regular food, right? I mean, all the stuff you get in a box in the yep. freezer section versus, like, know where your food comes from. And mass production is all about getting the most with the least amount of effort. You know, so they're just going to start, like, white labeling cannabis, and they're going to have massive cannabis farms that are using pesticides and all this kind of stuff, and then they're going to go, this is the best you've ever grown because it's 30% CBTAC, not realizing that it's full of pesticides, too. Yeah. See, it's interesting, you know, the slow food movement. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see, I mean, and whether it's you or something, but the slow, slow food movement. Oh, you I know? might take that. <laughs> yeah. I might the take slow, that. The slow, slow food okay. movement. Because okay. then you keep it ha- exactly pure, like you want it to be, yes. you know, the producer. Yes. And, and it's and it's a thought process. It's a exactly. methodology. It's right? like rolling a joint. Absolutely. You know I mean? Like, I always love to see, like, that's what Anthony Bourdain says, that every grown man should know how to cook an oblate and roll a joint. You know, it's like, if you don't, then somebody failed you at some point, you know? And I've, I've held to that to this day. Like, I'll just, like, be sitting around my friends. I'm like, roll that joint for me. Yeah. It's like, I'm not very good at this. Like, We're not very good friends then, are we? <laughs> like, I, now, like, I like you a lot. And I can't wait to see how our friendship develops here and, and with the studio kitchen and, and getting you in here to cook something. Quick story time. A friend of ours, dear friend of ours, uh, and kind of met just like this. He was um, the executive chef at Los Delicious. Gotcha. And um, Chef uh, Cheeto Ariola, hmm. Chef Cheeto told me a story. He said, "Okay, so he is renownedly like a, a, a state event chef, Super Bowls, um, w- Wimbledon, you know, traveling the right. world to make sure that these, 
you know, high-end people have great food in their suites. He was, um, he got close with a young man who had every, just like we were talking about, you had food sensitivities and allergies and kind of, you know, just this pain in the ass kid. Right. But he was like, I'm going to make sure that this kid gets what he wants. Uh, Months after he'd met him, he got an email saying, hey, listen, I have a a job opportunity for you. So he's getting this from a kid. He was like, she was like, you know, kind of, ha, cool, what is it? And um, the kid says, seriously, do you mind if I have somebody contact you? It's um, to cook for my family. And she was like, all right, like private party type of thing. Uh, An official for the president of Gambon. (laughs) Okay. Contacted Cheeto and Jeez. says, uh, I'd like for you to come cook and develop uh, taco concepts within our country. And so he came over there with just, he literally had to do drawings for people of like, this is how you eat a taco because people, there's a lot of French influence. Wow. Yes. Right? The official language of Cameroon is French. Yeah. And so... Um, Cheeto's over there, and he's like, where do I get ingredients? You know, tortillas, they're not anywhere around here. I've got to develop that. I've got to source ingredients. I've got to to figure out how to introduce tacos to this region of Africa. And he was the first one to introduce tacos to that region of Africa. And I thought that was very special. That is insane. I'm sure I killed that story, Cheeto, and he'll tell you that story. Um, sometime. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. That was, you know, yeah, was like, that was pretty accurate, I think. Yeah, I remember the story. story. I couldn't remember the country yeah, president. Yeah. I didn't catch yeah. any plot holes. Huh? I, was, I didn't catch any plot holes in the story. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, like, yeah, you're making this up. No, I mean, that, that was the thing. And so um, that's, uh, I guess it's that thing of kindness. You know, just go around and be kind to everybody. You never know exactly. when an opportunity it's, is it, going to open up for you. My mother used to always say that uh, you – Always do something bad for a reason. Kindness doesn't need a reason. You know what I mean? I like Like, it. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Uh, I like you, dude. And everybody else should uh, follow this gentleman. I think you have a very, very bright future, um, no matter what road you choose to go down. And Chef Harold Sims, what's your Instagram? There's going to be Harold Forhire, F-O-R-H-I-E-R-H-I-R-E. Yeah. Yeah. Harold for Hire on Instagram. Uh, That's my immediate... uh, uh, chore after the show is to get that done along with a lot of other things. It's a beautiful day on this Wednesday. I'm hoping you're going to go hit a patio and eat this week somewhere. I am. Are I you? actually have a date set for Friday. Do you really? I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. And then next week I'll be uh, flying out to L.A. for a week to uh, do another shoot uh, with a different Look at one. you, man. Yeah, hopefully I, I don't know what I can say about that yet, but when we, after it's done, I'll definitely look forward to talking to you about that one. Yeah. You another can, dub, hopefully. You can tell you, yeah. you got the smile going. The yeah. Whole thing. I, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I think yeah. you're ready, too, yeah. man. Go yeah. get them. Where are you going to ready. dinner on Friday? Uh, so we're going to um, Gigaku, and then we're going to Welton Room, which is a really awesome cocktail bar that's up in uh, Five Points. So that's going to be pretty cool. I only go there because they have a, a drink that has a popsicle in it and just something about that. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's calling your is name. It, <laughs> popsicle and drink, that's I'm just, it. I'm, I'm just stirring my drink with the popsicle, <laughs> talking to my lady like, yeah. That is. That's right, man. Right. That's doesn't gangster. get much better than right. that. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the definition of masculinity. Right oh, there. my God. Yeah, that's right. Stirring your Strawberry drink. Strawberry popsicle drink. What you Woo. think? Want to lick? Psych. Right. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> that's my pop. Get your own. Man, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time with you today thanks for coming into our suit what do you think of our humble little i love it when i first walked in i was like yo this is like a legit kitchen like this is like full hood vince i mean even the egg the egg man everything that you got yoder smoker 
Uh, you think you could come tear it up in here with oh us? Oh my god! Yeah. Huh? Yes. What do you want to cook? Yes. So I uh, like. Let's I said, do some goat. Something. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'm down. Get you some I'm goat. I'm down. One hundred percent. What would you say if we took you to the the goat ranch before, so you could meet? Thank you. And see the environment. It's in Salida, Colorado. I know where that is. And we also have um, a goat farmer t- just today. I I heard Nate from Rocky Mountain Organic Farm. He's going to start doing goat? He's got goats. Oh, he's doing goat. He's doing goat. Mm-hmm. He's got goats, and, boy, they're rambunctious little things. The, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll take you. They want to <laughs> yeah, they they get they they've got shot. They're the, only, yeah. they're the only animal vegans who are like, no, kill those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, right. goats, goats are asses. Yeah, goats, yeah. goats are. they got some personality. <laughs> and those human eyes on them, man, Yeah, stare right into your soul. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's like I'm it. human next. I hope you know that. You're going to yeah. eat me and I'll be back. I'll be your kid. I'd be the worst right? goat <laughs> producer because every time one jumped on another goat and jumped off, it'd be yeah. so. I'm like, okay, you get to live. You know? <laughs> and I just have 6,000 goats that I just name and try to raise. They're all like 70 years old. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would yeah. turn into a different thing a petting. It'd be a goat petting zoo instead of processing. Like a refuge. We're going to yeah. connect you with some of the Colorado food and some of our people, our farmers and ranchers Please. and agriculture purveyors. And Please. we're pretty well connected in that. That's and I'd love to share. I would love to go to the farm with you guys. That'd, That'd be, be great. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, what a show. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Chef Harold Sims. Check out his Netflix show, Cooked with Cannabis. So for Harold and uh, for Jay Parker and for Faith Johnson. And thank you very much, Molly Steineman uh, from the CRA. I'm Greg Hollenbach, and we're going to kick that rock on down the road. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 2 p.m. The Modern Eater Show continues.